broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 150. Here's Schmitty. And here is Honor. And here's Zook. We're really excited. This is episode number 150. 150 episodes. Which well, we is... haven't made it through this episode yet, so maybe we shouldn't get too excited at this point. <laughs> Which is honestly, I think, about uh, ten times the amount of episodes we originally expected to get through. I think it's a little bit more than that, actually. I think it's about yeah. twenty times the number of episodes my wife wanted me to get through. <laughs> yeah, uh, we want to give a special shout out to our uh, first off, our friends of the program, uh, all of our fans, our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com, and we also all want to thank our wives for putting up with this for almost three years now um without it uh this without their support this show would have been uh kiboshed pretty fast yep the stolen droids would have been stolen and, and i better. should i should say even not necessarily with their support without their tolerance <laughs> i think that i think that might be a more appropriate term yes indeed so uh special thanks to our spouses who have uh put up with this little endeavor mine is staring at me right now <laughs> like I, like i have some kind of ulterior motive like i'm gonna immediately go into a bash or something <laughs> all right well into uh well into our feedback we didn't have any uh other than some people said in our pre-show that they did like the monday morning release schedule because that's when they listen to us anyway uh ooh, this pre-show what is this pre-show we speak of? Well, we've done it for a couple times now where we record the video version of our pre-show and you are welcome to join in for a Q&A. In fact, the audience members of this pre-show, because it was episode number 150, all want a free Stolen Droids t-shirt. Both of them. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> also where we can learn Spanish. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I won't me, even pretend. Me, I, I was going to say it to you too. I, I was going to say something, and I realized it's probably going to come across as a swear. So. He said, "He said me gusta in reference to our new Monday morning launch." He said me gusta, which means I like. So, I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, Schmidt can, can actually speak Spanish. See, si, I, I assumed that it meant Zoner's awesome, but I just assumed that everything means Zoner's awesome. That was between the lines. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. As long as it was inferred. Speaking of second languages, you know, I'm going to jump right up on the uh, on the show notes here. Uh, we this was supposed to be later, but since we're talking about it now anyway, I might as well. S- second languages right now. Uh, Schmitty, you speak Spanish yep. fluently. Zoner, do you speak a second language? I know a little bit to get by if I'm in the southern African regions. Yeah, I, I took French, and all I can remember to this day is ma petit chou and uh, <laughs> je suis nanana. That's really all I have left after like two, three years of French. Well, of all places, Kentucky wants to change the way that they teach secondary languages in school. They want to make coding an accepted second language program. Awesome. How is I it think Kentucky is leading the way? <laughs> well, they break out their one computer and you know pour you, some pour some white lightning in it to get it going. And you know when I when I think of like the top coding places of the world, I the first thing that comes to mind is not Kentucky. <laughs> but sure, I, sure I, why not? It's a genius idea, though. It is. I I applaud them for this. And if if anything, um. We're gonna get we're gonna get one of two things here: more coders or more people that vehemently hate coding. <laughs> so it's good either way, I guess. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I hadn't really considered that, but I think you're right. No, I this... think you'll probably get a little from column A and a little from column B. Mm-hmm. Personally, now how important is it to everyone? I mean, we we're all from a tech background, but let's think about this objectively. How important is it for non-tech people to use coding in their everyday life, or at least have, even if they don't use it, to have some basic understanding of it? Hmm. This won't help you drive your car better, right? No, it's not. I'm going to go out on a limb and and say, just from the experience I've had from just low-level coding, um, there are a lot of applications out there that allow you to do some form of scripting to get 
to get more out of the application. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Microsoft Office. Uh, all of Microsoft Office products has some form of scripting to get more out of each application. Um, Photoshop, Premiere, all of the Adobe products also have some form of scripting. So right off the bat, there, those are two high consumer end products that uh, that allow you to get more out of the product just just from scripting and you don't even have to know that much about it there's there's a lot of help files on it so that right there would would um, make me uh, I mean I see where you're going with that I think really I think this is kind of genius on two parts one because it encourages kids to code and two because unfortunately even as we are growing more and more tech dependent as a society tech and science classes are being cut from curriculums which makes no sense whatsoever. No, it makes none. But this way, I mean, if you think about it, this is less of them trying to make it accessible as a second language and more them trying to give extra credit for people who are interested in that. Because yeah. right now, I mean, I graduated from high school over a decade ago. And if I wanted to take a tech class, that didn't go towards any of my credit except for some of my electives. Yep. And even then, the tech class didn't really teach you that much. If you wanted to get really deep into coding, you had to do it on your own time. Right, right. There was no class for it whatsoever. Now, I'm going to pull the old man card here. Get off my uh, lawn! <laughs> I, I have now been out of high school for 20 years. And when I was in high school, we didn't have anything that I'm aware of, at least not at my high school, that was tech classes like that. If I wanted to take a tech class, I could join like the auto shop. Or, because that's about as technical as it got, or possibly like the FFA that had a like drafting class where right. you could go out and do a barn raising or something. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean on that one. I and remember when Zoner went to school, he was more interested in who he was taking to the under the sea dance anyway. But, Indeed. <laughs> but so I, the point but is that is Marty that, he could play. Man, he could play. Uh, if you wanted, and again, this was a while ago. We're not today's teenagers. I don't know quite how the curriculum is now, but I can't imagine it's gotten too much better. If you wanted to learn computer sciences, it was on your own time. Yep. And it was without instructor-led you know, supervision. So I think this is less of Kentucky trying to be progressive in terms of a second language and more the state being very, very inventive on where to hide a computer science course and still give kids credit for it. Yeah. Well, and, and on the other hand, too, it's or not on the on the same hand, uh, we're seeing more and more jobs go towards the tech side of things. Um, it, Ten years ago, it was really hard to find uh, a coding gig, either because uh, you had to have you know six or seven years in school, um, and there weren't there weren't that many people teaching it. Besides, but now it's really easy for someone with two years of coding experience to go get a job because there are so many jobs out there for it and we're having a hard time filling those jobs. So. Right. Okay. Well, uh, good on you, Kentucky. That's kind of cool. Uh, into our, our bigger headlines, Microsoft has named a new CEO. Uh, it's an internal hire uh, from their cloud division, as it were. His name is Satya Nadella. And I'm probably slaughtering that name, and I doubt he'll ever call us to correct it. But he is in charge uh, now of the entire shebang. So that's kind of cool. Now, what does he do? He uh, he goes in, and uh, he's more of a cloud person. What that means is is that he really likes driving stuff toward on consumer side, away from the enterprise level, and more towards. Microsoft SkyDrive services. His heads are in the cloud. Or his head are in the cloud. I said that wrong. <laughs> wow, that could wow. be such a good pun and you just completely destroyed Complete it. fail there, Schmitty. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting hire, especially the way that Microsoft seems to be going to an entirely cloud-based subscription. I mean, you look at what they've done with their Office suite. You look at SkyDrive. You look at all this stuff. The cloud, as far as Microsoft sees, is the future. And so I think it's a pretty intelligent hire. I mean, the guy's been doing it for the last 22 years for them. So he knows, you know, kind of where the company has been and, and where it's going. So I, I think it's a good hire for, mm -hmm. from their perspective. 
Yep. Now, uh, in his own memo, his first memo, he wrote that, quote, our industry does not respect tradition. It only respects innovation, uh, which I think is actually very, very true. No one cares. You know, no one cares what you did if you're failing now. I mean, look at BlackBerry, look at Kodak, look at Motorola. No one cares that, hey, they were the first ones to this market. They're, you know, they're dying now. They haven't done anything since then. It's like the old magician mantra. You're only as good as your last trick. Same thing. Now, he has asked, interestingly, he has asked um, Bill Gates to step up. He wants him back in a more hands-on role, which is kind of odd. Because I thought previously with under Balmer, they were trying to get rid of Gates more and more. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because he says our industry does not respect tradition, yet he wants to bring a guy in that many perceive as not hip, not... I mean, he's the traditional guy. Yes and no. Gates was um, ahead of his time in so many things, uh, and he just had really, really huge, big ideas and absolutely no idea how to realize them. Remember, he's the one that came up with the uh, with the tablet PC yeah. long before the technology could support it. Yeah. You know, uh, Microsoft came out with MP3 players long before Apple made the iPod. Uh, Microsoft's old Sidewinder control system, their old game pads, were ahead of Logitech, even. So they're just really, really, really crappy at getting those things out to market and making them marketable. So, yeah, this is an interesting choice. I'm very excited to see what happens with Microsoft. Hopefully, they don't completely just screw up like BlackBerry or Kodak, like you mentioned. I mean, Kodak had over 100 years of history behind them, and yet they managed to screw it up. So, Yeah. yeah. Now, speaking of Microsoft, complete non-sequitur here, I personally am calling their ad, their uh, What Can Technology Do For You ad of the Super Bowl, the winning ad of the Super Bowl. That's pretty good. I like it. If you did not watch the Super Bowl, which I don't know if we can even say that name, but here I am saying it anyway. The big game. Superb Owl. Yeah, the Superb Owl. Uh, Microsoft had an ad on what can technology do for you. And it had, oh, geez, I don't even have his name right now, but it had a former NFL player who has ALS. He has Lou Gehrig's syndrome. Uh, and he's narrating this commercial using a Kinect, using the eye motion on his Kinect. And it's talking about everything that technology has done for us and where it's taken us. And I won't lie. There's about a halfway through the uh, the ad where you just start tearing up. And uh, I mean, curse you, Microsoft, for making probably the best ad you've ever made. And a follow-up question, how come all your other ads suck? <laughs> now, I'm going to disagree with you here, um, Zook. I thought the best ad of the Super Bowl was the Doberman Chihuahua. <laughs> I mean, it was like Scrappy-Doo. Now we know what breed that little freaking shark jumper was. So That's I, true. That's it, true. It's he did nice, look a like Scrappy. It's nice to know that, that I can rest easy at night because I now know what breed Scrappy-Doo was. <laughs> um, and to answer your question, Zook, it was Steve Gleason. Ah, yes. His AOS, yeah. Uh, I'm not a sports ball person, so uh, I don't really know who all these people were, but it was a really good ad anyway. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah Microsoft really did a good job that time. Yeah, makes me wonder why they can't always do a good job. Uh, into some other news. So Target's data breach. I know you're getting tired of hearing this. We're getting tired of saying it. We didn't get around to uh, hitting that headline last week. Uh, <laughs> a whole bunch of credit cards lost. Real bad stuff. Uh, malware installed at point of sale registers. No one can figure out exactly how it was done. Last we had heard, you know, we had Daria on this show. We uh, we talked about it. it. Had made it sound like it was an actual USB stick that got plugged into the system and infected infected it from there. Turns out it may not have been. An audit has shown that the malware was installed using a specific set of login credentials. It got hacked. It got stolen. That credential system belonged to the air conditioning repairman. <laughs> now, that's slight oversimplification, but it's still accurate. Target's saying it's this HVAC company who allowed the data breach. I'm calling bull on that. <laughs> and here's why. I have a background in IT security, as many people who listen to the show probably do. Uh, and the first thing you do 
is if you're giving a login to a contractor, you don't give him full administrative rights to everything on the network. Just a thought. The HVAC company had logins set up for it so that they could go in and monitor different systems, turn off heating and cooling as needed. They can monitor certain levels and usage and really fine-tune the store's consumption of power in heating and cooling. It's a standard practice with large companies. It can save a lot of money that way. And rather than send a person out to that specific store, which costs a lot of money, they set it up for central control, which requires a remote login. The screw-up here, and I'm going to use that word because there's no other way to describe it, absolute screw-up, is that Target gave them a login that not only allowed them to control the thermostat, but also access into the customer's credit card information. Why? Because some admin somewhere was lazy. (laughs) So, you said you were calling bullcrap a minute ago on that. Oh, but yeah. Then, but then you just said that it's because someone was lazy. So, well, no, no. It, it, I'm calling bullcrap that it was the HVAC company's fault. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah. It, it was totally some admin. If that's indeed how it happened, some admin didn't do his job. Right. They should have had access into that one specific system and nothing else. There is no reason those two systems should have any crosstalk at all. Well, no. I, th- I, think, I think both parties are at fault here. It's the HVAC company's fault for hiring someone with with the the intent to do something like that to one of their customers. Well, was it was it the employee of the HVAC company though, or did they get social engineered to give their credentials? Yeah, it, it, his credentials were stolen from him. He didn't oh, okay. do it. Yeah, so. which you could say that it's still his fault that he allowed it to happen, but at the same time. You know, if someone is dedicated to do it, they're going to do it. But if the admin at Target had done his job in setting up the account, the most the perps could have done is turned up the AC a bit. Yeah. Instead, if, credit cards. Have we difference. heard if people have, like, lost their jobs yet at this point? We have not. Um, the, the, the head of the HVAC company, whose name I forget right now, the company's name, has stated that, yes, the FBI came out and investigated them, and that's all they'll say. Oh, man. I finally did get my email from Target, though, telling me that I qualify for credit monitoring, so I signed up for that. And then I thought, as as I was looking over it, what if this is just an elaborate phishing scheme? <laughs> <laughs> we stole your credit card information, so you would uh, be forced to give all your other information. And so, yeah, I, th- I thought about that, though. What if this email's not really from Target? And so I, like, started doing some research to make sure that I wasn't going to get scammed by someone taking advantage of the situation. And I told my wife, I said, I signed up for it. And she said, well, how do you know that it was a real email? How do you know it wasn't fake, that they weren't just trying to get your information? I love that phrase. How do you know it was a real email? Well, because it wasn't chiseled into stone. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It was sent electronically. It landed in my inbox. That does qualify as real email. It didn't smell like a smoke signal. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think those were her exact words. That's just what came out of my mind at this late hour as I'm preoccupied with going on a zip line through the jungles of Belize. <laughs> pics or it didn't happen. Oh, there'll be pics. <laughs> okay, so YouTube has a new um, director. I don't know if they call this a VP or a chairman. I, I, YouTube is, of course, run by Google, so I'm not quite sure what their title is called. But uh, the new SVP, Senior Vice President. Yep, uh, her name is Susan something. <laughs> Woj, Woj I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Woj Kiki. Woj Kiki. W O J C I C K I. My name is easier to pronounce than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. In any case, uh, she has been named the senior vice president of YouTube. Uh, previously, she was the senior vice president of advertising, which I think will say something right there about where YouTube is heading. That I didn't put two and two together on that. That's a really good catch there. Now, um, well, Jiski, I looked it up on pronouncenames.com. Well, now. Uh, She's been with them for a while. 
And I'm not making, I'm not, I'm not overstating that enough. She's employee number 16. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's kind of up there. Uh, originally the, uh, the co-founders of Google rented her garage to store things for the company when they were still building it back in 99. Oh, wow. So she's up there. Last year, currently they have those, uh, really annoying ads that everyone clicks through after five seconds. Uh, things that I know everyone hates them. Everyone clicks through them. No one clicks on them and little things like ad blocker block them entirely, which is kind of nice. Well, last year, the advertising on YouTube using that system only pulled in like $3 billion. Which, I mean, to you and me, sounds like, hey, I'd take $3 billion any day, right? But for something like Google, that's not enough. Not when you consider how many hits YouTube gets in a day. In a so, second. Yeah, you can imagine that uh, her job is going to be finding a new way to get you to pay for using YouTube. I don't know that I like that. <laughs> I, I really don't know that I like that idea. I understand that this is Google and they've got to make money, but I thought they made their money by collecting all of our data and then selling us advertising. Oh, wait, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, not. I, I'm not trying to be a naysayer right off the bat when we haven't even seen what she's done, but I am telling you this. Expect things to change slightly with YouTube. You'll. I guarantee you we're going to start seeing some different ad structures. The way they're going to be showing ads are going to be slightly different. Uh, I'm going to imagine that it's going to get to the point where it's a lot harder to skip them. I, I'm i going to say, and this is probably just more uh, wishful thinking, but I'm going to say we might see more uh, subscription channels. Uh, I know we've seen a couple in the past, um, and they haven't really... Uh, they haven't really uh, proliferated as much as we thought they would, but I, we may see more of those. We may see more um, uh, premium content, uh, but I, I don't think we will continue to see uh, those ads, at the, those annoying ads at the beginning of videos. Just wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, into some Olympic news. I'm an Olympic nut, and by the time you're hearing this show, the Olympics have already been underway for a few days. Uh, they're being held in Sochi, Russia, a tiny little resort town that had no business hosting the Olympics. Um, if it sounds like I'm bitter, I'm not. I just find it kind of funny that they decided to give the Olympics to a town that had absolutely no infrastructure, not even a road, uh, and expected it to go well. Currently, I think it costs, what, like $51 billion? <laughs> well, not just that. Sochi is... Uh actually a sub subtropical region um, hosting the Winter Olympics. Yeah, let that, let I, that sink in a little bit. Subtropical and winter. <laughs> Doesn't really work. Yeah, no jive there. Uh, it's also in the smack dab middle of a, a nature preserve. <laughs> so it was. <laughs> it's not really meant for tourists. They said they were going to have it done for $10 billion. So far, the cost has ballooned up to over $51 billion. And the IOC is pretty sure that over a third of that has just been embezzled. It, it uh, is Russia. I mean, you got to have the mob involved. Well, even more Russian than the mob would be hackers. Um, yeah, Richard Engel from NBC went over to Sochi. Uh, what he did is he had uh, a bunch of gear littered with fake accounts. So he had uh, smartphones, laptops, tablets, all signed in with fake accounts that didn't actually exist and just sat them out in his hotel room. Uh, within a day, they were all compromised. They were all hacked. All the information from them had all been compromised and, and downloaded uh it's so bad that the department of uh, state the state department has said that any americans traveling for the olympics should expect no measure of privacy uh in fact it's so bad that uh many tech uh, pundits my, ourselves included are suggesting that if you do go over there and somehow listen to our show when you get back wipe your devices just completely wipe them doesn't matter if it's a smartphone, a watch, a pair of glasses, a pacemaker. I don't care. Find some way to reformat <laughs> and wipe them. Wipe you know, I remember pacemaker. I remember this happening uh, for the uh, the Chinese Olympics. They were having a huge issue with devices getting hacked. And this was before the proliferation of smartphones, I want to say. Um, no, no. Smartphones were around by the time the, the Beijing ones were there. I mean, okay. Beijing was only two years ago, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind then. I'm just mis mis uh, 
remembering that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 bad. I mean, when it sounds like we're being kind of racist against the Russians, but seriously, every major virus we see, every piece of malware, uh, the target hack that we were talking about earlier comes from Russia. For whatever reason, the underworld in Russia are a lot more tech-savvy than anywhere else, and most viruses and exploits you find are from that area, which is why some of the best uh, antivirus labs are also from that area. I just got one other thing um, regarding tech at the Olympics. I saw something today I didn't put in the show notes, but NBC has advised or has asked all of the Olympians who use Apple devices, their iPhones and whatnot, to cover up the Apple logo so that Apple is not getting free advertising during the course of the Olympics. Interesting. I thought that was awesome. That's not a first. No, it's not. If you not. guys remember, the O.J. Simpson trial of 94, 95, Judge Ito used a MacBook, and he had to blank out the back of his of his laptop because it had that glowing Apple logo. Yep. And they didn't want to make it look like Apple in some way sponsored this trial. <laughs> the OJ Simpson trial brought to, brought you, to by you by Apple. Apple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> kind of interesting how that works. I mean, it makes sense in some cases, like actual TV shows. If you've ever watched Good Eats, Alton Brown is, uh, is famous for having to make up mock, um, canisters and labels for all of his pantry because he doesn't want to look like he's sponsoring one specific brand over another well mythbusters do it too yeah so kind of funny that way um colson oh because there's, okay. there, there's no there's no we were gonna say sausage but if you listen to our pre-show you know why that's a colson now yeah there's this article that came out i found it on con comics alliance today um talking about clark Gregg, who plays agent colson phil colson on agents of shield and in the marvel movies um i think he's tired of people i i think he's getting a little bit cranky because agents of shield not that good of a show i keep watching it because i feel a sense of obligation to it because i'm a i'm a geek and i keep watching it hope just hoping that when night it's gonna put a big old smile on my face because of the awesomeness but it never does but he was talking to the salt lake tribune which confuses me because this is like something that you'd find in variety not salt lake tribune uh, and he said um where's the quote um talking okay he said um Greg had the following to say about fans or Marvel quote-unquote geeks who have given up on the show due to the lack of appearances by more characters from the Marvel Universe. Those aren't geeks. Those are losers. He's calling us losers. This show exists because of us. We are fans. We are geeks. We wanted to see this show. It's been disappointing. And... Now People now, aren't happy, so he's calling us losers. I have something to weigh in on this, because I watch the show as well, and I actually kind of like it. Um, I don't love it. It's not great. But for what it is, it does it well. It is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not Marvel's superheroes. It's not Marvel's The Avengers. It's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And most of the agents aren't superpowered. You know, so that makes sense, and I understand the premise of it. And all the people who are whining and whining and whining that they want more superpowered people, uh, you haven't been watching it, obviously, because they've gone up against quite a few superhero people. They just don't have any on their team. That's True. because they're agents. They're not assets. Get the terminology right. That being said, is it a great show? No. Uh, I watch, I record it and I watch it in my free time when there's nothing else on or when I don't have anything to do, or I just want something kind of dumb to unwind to as I'm falling asleep. Uh, That's actually kind of how I watch it too. And for that, it's good for a prime time, um, dramedy. It's not great. That being said, uh, he does not really have the right to say that. Yeah, okay, if you're sitting there going, you know, if I could pull Lisa Foyle's geek voice, if I could do that voice, I would. But, you know, just imagine me saying this in the best Simpsons comic geek uh, voice ever. I'd love this except for the fact it doesn't have enough superheroes. Well, then screw you. It's not that show. However, he has no right to say this anyway. Because the only reason his character is even still alive 
is because those geek fans demanded it because we no. loved him so much in all they, the different movies. They aren't geeks. They're losers. Well, he's no, he's not saying <laughs> geeks are losers. He's saying that the people who don't like his show I are know, losers. I know. I know. But a lot of the people who got him the actual gig on the show, it, that's who he's calling out. One thing that I think is awesome, Jim Steranko is just He's an awesome dude. If you don't know who he is, then you don't know your comic book history. But he is the guy who in the 70s basically made Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. what we know it as today. He kind of laid the foundation for it to be just completely awesome. And the guy was great. And he just completely bashes on this show week after week. Um, he does a write-up for The Hollywood Reporter. And he said that the plots have defied logic. And, um, yeah, he's just not been very kind to it. But, I mean, the guy kind of created this whole S.H.I.E.L.D. universe. So he has a little bit to say about it, I would think. And Clark Gregg actually said Storenko should make his own show. You know, I... Again, I think everyone's being way too harsh on this one. Does anyone remember the TV series Flash? I do. I it loved crap. it. It was I loved crap. It. John I loved Wesley Shipp. I was a tiny, I was a tiny I kid, it. but I loved it. Loved it was crap. It. Loved anyone it. remember Knight Rider? Oh, gee, the new one or the old one? Both. I'm trying they to were both crap. I'm trying to forget them both. <laughs> Sorry, guess what? They were both crap. Only one of them was crap to a five-year-old who thought it was the coolest thing on earth. And the other one was crap to an adult who recognized it for crap. You know, these shows aren't supposed to be excellent. They're not supposed to be great. What they are doing, they are doing well. Because I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I know I, I said I sometimes watch it as I'm falling asleep. But sometimes the kids like watching it. I'll watch it with the kids. And for the most part, the action or the violence um, is not so bad. I mean, it's it, it can be viewed on primetime, then it's tame enough that my kids can watch it. And they do. And this last episode, I'm going to give it away because evidently no one's watching it anyway. Sky, one of the main characters, she gets tw shot twice, point blank range. Uh, it's a two-parter and there's my daughter, my five-year-old daughter going, man, I hope she's okay. I can't wait to see the next episode. I want to know she's okay. And in that way, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is working very well because I have four kids in my house who all want to know, and they're all getting very acclimated with Marvel's universe this way. Mm -hmm. Maybe and that's their target market then. I I don't know. Maybe that is their intended market, although geeks think that it's us, but maybe well, of it's course. not we truly always do. us. I, you go onto any Transformers message board, and they get furious about cartoons on nickelodeon or the hub oh my gosh look at the animation you'd almost think this was meant for kids newsflash <laughs> it is well in this, the same way that uh that we all look back on on the original knight rider and think wow that was crap when we were kids we loved it and so in that same way your kids in 20 years will look back on agents of shield and be like oh that's crap <laughs> so you know it's it, it's made for you know, the early adopters, not the early adopters, but the early watchers that are trying to get into. It's hooking a new audience. Yeah. I had actually never considered that, but that's a, that's a really, really good, good thought there. The, the latest episode, again, the one we just watched, um, it, it had a whole bunch of different stuff, characters I'd never heard of. And that's fine because I'm, I, even though I like comics and I can appreciate them and I like the superheroes, I'm not a huge follower of the genre. And that's okay because 59 minutes, you know, assuming commercials didn't exist, were meant for me, someone who wasn't really, really into it. And that last minute where they zoom in on this one particular code name that's printed on the side of this guy's cybernetic leg, well, that's an actual character in the Marvel Universe. And the hardcore geeks are going to get that. It was a little bone they threw out to them. But guess what? It's not going to be an hour of really obscure comic book references and superheroes you've never heard of. Because guess what? No one cares. See, I think that a lot of the problem with this comes from the fact that Agent Coulson was such a so involved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe before he hit the small screen. And I think that people had the expectation that it was just going to be that, but on the small screen. That we're going to be seeing Iron Man and Thor. And, you know, I I think that people honestly expected that to happen. 
Well, people were stupid then, and here's why. The fact that it hasn't, though, has really pissed off a lot of people. Well, and and again, people are stupid then, and and here's why I say that. Even though I'm a huge Coulson fan, even though I hated to see him killed at that, I liked his character. I liked it a lot. But can anyone remember what he does during Iron Man 1, his first appearance? He gives his business card and introduces S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, congratulations. He's blown off by Pepper Potts twice. Yep. Uh, and then unlocks a door with a small explosive and then gives her his card. Congratulations. Anyone about uh, Iron Man 2? I don't even recall. Was he, he in Iron Man 2? He hacks he, his way into the into their compound. No. Okay. No. Uh, he babysits Tony Stark for a short while and threatens to tase him. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He has a really, really good bit of dialogue, but he does nothing. Okay? Anyone remember what he does in Thor? Yeah, he kicks butt and then gets shot. <laughs> no. No, in Thor, he gets Thor, then lets Thor go, yeah. then steals everyone's stuff, and then has agents get beat up by the, uh, by the what is it, the Annihilator, the... Uh, the juggernaut thing. The furnace face. Yeah. Uh, he does not have pivotal roles. No, he doesn't. He's not a big character. He's just a really cool agent. And so, guess what, fans? I know you loved him, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's what he did. <laughs> that's who he was. Mm. We've now spent way more time on this than I ever expected to, because we're. But it's like, I think people went into the show. From a Marvel standpoint, let's look at it from two different ways. There's from a TV standpoint and from a Marvel standpoint. From a TV standpoint, yeah, it's not great. Sorry. It's just not. It's not bad, but it's not great. But if you're 10 years old. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Heck, I'm 10 years old at heart, and I'm willing to give it a chance. I love it for that reason. From a Marvel standpoint, no. I'm sorry. It's not a multi-million dollar movie. Get no. over it. It wasn't meant for you. It's meant to get more people to be Marvel fans, not to pander to the ones who already are. That's just how it is. Yeah. We got to we gotta move on, though. I mean, bottom line, I think he was wrong to say they're losers. But honestly, I think the people who are giving him the worst time kind of had it coming. Uh, into Sony news. Sony is getting out of the PC business. This came as a surprise. It, it did, because they've been in the PC business for so long. But honestly, I never thought they had any business making computers in the first place. <laughs> you do have a point there. Uh, Sony VAIOs have been around for a long time, really. Almost. I remember one of the first Sony VAIO uh, desktops, the one where you press the top and the, the, the door came sliding down. Yeah. It was purple and blue. Uh, well... They have not been doing well recently, and they've decided to sell it. Yeah. And very, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was very surprised by this. Um, it just, yeah, they're getting rid of the Vio brand. Now, I'm looking through the article here, and I don't actually see it, but uh, I'm not really sure on who they're going to... Oh, uh, sorry. They're going to be purchased by Japan Industrial Partners, which is a very nice descriptive term. Maybe that's <laughs> the name of the company. <laughs> I think the problem herein is that Sony Sony has a real problem with selling their devices, and it's not just their computers. It's anything Sony. If it's Sony, it's going to cost 10% more than the next competitor. The Sony tax. Yeah, the Sony tax, we used to joke about it, but the truth is, it's it's real. It's expensive. Is it worth it? Maybe, you know. Sometimes people would say that, sometimes it's not. But when you say, okay, you can get a Sony tablet for $500, or the next best tablet for $400, and it can do everything the Sony one can, well, guess what? People are going to lean more and more towards the, the cheaper one now. Sony used to be able to get away with this, not anymore. Yeah, wow. I actually just bought a new camera a couple weeks ago, and I had a choice between a Sony camera and a, Fu- a Fujifilm camera. Fujifilm camera was half the price of the Sony. Did everything that the Sony does. It's a no-brainer. Now, Sony does have really nice design. I mean, I, I 
let's go digital cameras because Don already mentioned that. My digital camera versus my brother-in-law's digital camera. He has a nice Sony one. And yeah, it has more features. And yeah, it's a lot nicer. And yeah, it takes better pictures. Yeah, it costs three times as much. Not worth it in my mind. No. And so when people are starting to look at that for laptops, and it's like, look, for the price you're asking, that's more than an Apple laptop. It's more than a MacBook. How on earth can you ask that price and expect people to buy it? Well, guess what? They don't. So I think that's one of the reasons why Sony is doing this, and it's centering on this. They really want to spin their TV business off into a separate company, which I'm kind of surprised because I thought they already had, but that's me. I remember the uh, the Sony Vega TV being spun off back in the day of, uh, back in the day. So it's kind of interesting that they should be doing this. Yeah, it'll um, be interesting to see what happens with Sony if they're, you know, if they, I, I don't know, just whatever they do. It'll be interesting to see how they move on from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of interesting purchases, Amazon has decided to buy a game company, Double Helix. Um, This kind of came out of the blue. Yeah, and this is, they're not a small game company either. Uh, they were... Um... A combination of, of two game companies before they became Double Helix, and they they've produced games like uh, Earthworm Jim, um, GI Joe: Rise of the Cobra, Buffy the Zan- Vampire Slayer. So they're not small titles. Um, so this this kind of confirms the previous rumors that we've heard about Amazon getting into gaming and and possibly coming out with a gaming console. Um, so now. It, uh- I'm trying to figure out how Amazon would position itself as a game console company. And I can't help but wonder if this is actually so they could get better games and gaming systems onto the Kindles. Yeah. Because they already have an in with the Kindles. Can you imagine them trying to launch a game console amongst everything else that's out there? I can. And, well, if you remember the the rumors, they were about the the game consoles... There would be Android-based, so I, a lot of people were saying that they were tr- going to try to compete with Xbox and PlayStation, but being that it's Android-based, I'm willing to bet that it'd be like an Ouya contender or a, or a Steam box. But uh, being Android-based uh, makes me wonder if, if uh, these game companies are going to be porting things over to the Android operating system, um, or if they're going to go full platform or full uh, console and 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 actually compete with with xbox and playstation it's is confusing to me <laughs> but yeah I, I, I see your point there i i don't know one more hardware manufacturer in the entertainment space i don't think they're going to do well and i think amazon is smart enough to know they wouldn't do well so i'm not real sure what they're thinking but time will tell time will tell well, speaking of games, let's talk about this uh, Flappy Birds game. Oh my gosh, I hate that game. So <laughs> I didn't even know about this game until last night when I'm ta- told about it by my brother-in-law. Uh, and he tells me, have you played this Flappy Birds game? So I immediately go and download it, right? And I'm playing it on the tablet. It's crap. It's infuriating. It's It doesn't work. It's horribly designed. The controls barely operate and yet somehow this has become a number one bestseller even worse is the fact that while i'm looking at it i'm going so i'm confused they just rip off mario brothers wholesale yeah evidently we're not the first ones to bring this up kotaku has um in here the 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 creator of the game likes to brag that he's making fifty thousand dollars a day on ad revenue and they bring up the fact that it's a direct ripoff. All the art from it is ripped off out of out of Mario Brothers. Even yeah. more, what's even more interesting, I think, is if you look in the um, if you look in the comments, someone brings up that there's a Flash game over on Xanorg.com called Pew Pew P I O U P I O U, and it's the exact same game. It's a Flash-based version of the exact same game, and it came out in 2011. Wow. So the lesson to be learned from this is if you want to make 50000 a day, put 
ripped off art and a ripped off game up on the Android market and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, still not impressed by the game. Now, I think I saw somewhere in the article, I can't find it now, but I think he did it in, oh yeah, he, he made the game in three days. You don't say. Yeah, you don't say. You know, my kids love it. My my kids absolutely love it. But I played, I think, three or four games, and I was ready to throw my daughter's phone through the window. Yeah. Uh, I, I went back and played a, a calming, relaxing game of Ninja Ropes instead afterwards. Yeah. Um. Hey, you know who doesn't like Bitcoin? I'm going to guess a lot of people, but... Why don't we go with Apple in this case? Yeah, Ma, uh, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, they really, really, really don't like it. And they pulled the Bitcoin wallet from the App Store. Yeah, they, well, actually, they pulled the the last remaining Bitcoin wallet out of the App Store. Mm -hmm. um, they've pulled all the others, but the very last holdout was pulled on Wednesday. Yeah, um, now... I'm not a financial expert, obviously. It's been talked about before by many people how much we do not know finances. But why would Apple care one way or another? Well, in some countries, it's not recognized as legal tender. It's not, so? it's not legal currency. China, Denmark, and Canada do not consider them um, legal to use. Uh, however, there are some people that have suggested that Apple is... Uh, getting ready to unveil its own mobile payment system well see and i would understand them pulling it because it's not recognized as legal currency in cases if it was part of apple's wallet right well it um they do state that uh, the apple store uh app store guidelines say that the apps must comply with all legal requirements in any location where they're made available for users um, that being said, if if there are users of Apple iPhones in China and Denmark and Canada, the those apps must comply with. I mean, the, Bitcoin is illegal in those countries, or or they're not seen as legal tender. So the apps must comply with all the laws. Can't so, they just do like a regional block like Android does? Well, and see, that's what I wonder, too. It's like, this isn't part of the Apple wallet. This is its own app. So simply block that app from certain countries. That's that's what would make the most sense to me, which makes me think that Apple's got something up its sleeve where it's going to maybe be a direct competitor to Bitcoin. I don't know, maybe. I Yeah, I don't know. There's more to it than what Apple is giving. I think you're exactly right there. Apple's Apple's got a card and they're not showing yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't use card now either because that makes it sound like Google now. Oh, uh, true. True. <laughs> hey, um, want to hear something funny? This is uh, this is quite funny. If you've ever seen the uh, the show Shark Tank, you know what it's about. But if you haven't, um, it's the idea where you take your startup idea or your actual business, and you go into this TV show called Shark Tank that has a whole bunch of billionaires on it, and you pitch them your idea, or argue with them, or debate with them, and you try and get them to buy in on the show. Well, this one company um, managed to hack the show inadvertently. Uh, the, the company's called Scan, and they make custom QR codes that can be used for pretty much anything. QR codes aren't really new, uh, and while filming the show, the producer said you can't actually show any URL. So you can't show anything that would lead people watching the show back to your site. But they didn't block him from actually making QR codes. So what he did is he made these huge QR codes that he's showing off. He didn't get um, – people didn't actually take up on his pitch. But after filming had ended and before the show had aired, he decided, you know, those QR codes were just showing dummy data. Why don't I go into the back end here and change the dummy data to actually point to something useful? He didn't think it was going to actually happen, but little did he know after it had, uh, after it had aired, he had 3,100 scans waiting for him. <laughs> People had managed to scan the TV show. And he managed to hijack it in that manner to get his information out and direct people to his site anyway. That's brilliant. 
I kind of, I know people keep saying that the QR code is dead. I kind of get the feeling, though, it's not. People just are just now catching on how to use it. You know, I think QR codes are interesting because I've seen them used every now and then, but they're not very prevalent. I've never really felt that they were very prevalent. You see them, it's more of a novelty than anything else. Yeah. Well, I want to say I... I think they're a lot more prevalent than they were two years ago. I remember a couple of years ago when all the smartphones were coming out with the ability to scan them, they were kind of more novel then than they are now. You know, people would post links or have them on their uh, business cards or stuff like that. But I see them a lot more. You see them on movie posters in in movie theaters. Um, You'll see them on on, uh, signs as you're walking through the mall. Um, So that they're a lot more prevalent than than people think, and maybe maybe it's just because you're not looking for them. But uh, I, I see them in a lot of places. So that that yeah, may be. It, maybe I'm just not looking. But it still isn't second nature. Oh, I saw that. You know, let's pull out the phone and immediately scan it. You right. know, it's not so prevalent that it's become second nature to the masses. True, that's true. So, um, and anyway, you want to be careful about that because you never know where it's going to lead. <laughs> that is true. Um, okay, we only have time for a couple more. Let's run through them real fast. HTC is deciding to get into the smartwatch arena because, you know, why not? Wearable's the buzzword of the year. Yeah, and what's more wearable than something like a watch? Uh, actually, how many people don't wear watches? I don't anymore. Yeah, see? So, of the three of us, only 33% wear a watch. <laughs> so, let's make an entire industry around it. Uh, Samsung has announced when they are going to have their unpacked event. Uh, they're going to be doing it in Barcelona as part of their mobile world conference. Uh, they should be announcing the galaxy S five and they're also going to be talking more about the galaxy gear. You know, I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with this galaxy gear stuff. If it's going to take off or if they're just going to keep forcing it out there, making us think we should buy it. When nobody really does. Uh, yeah, I I still hold by that my earlier prediction that we're at least a couple years out before that kind of tech is just everywhere. Yeah, yeah probably. So, but hey, you know, I could be wrong. If they bring out something that I just absolutely have to have, I'll happily eat my my words. Uh, in other news, Google has announced that the Chromecast, uh, that little MHL device that you can plug into your TV, and you've seen ads for everywhere, they have released the SDK, the public SDK for it. Yay! We have no clue how that's going to work. <laughs> but I, I'll be digging into it, so... Uh... Uh, in case you don't know, an SDK is a developer's toolkit. It allows uh, developers to create custom apps, unlock previously uh, hidden features. Uh, it's basically a skeleton key to, into all the hardware features of a device. The reason we say we don't know how this is going to work is because the Chromecast doesn't actually hook into a computer in any way. So even if you were able to develop some kind of super app, we have no clue how you get then get that onto your Chromecast. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it's going to be something like a like a mobile app or, or at least the tools to um, send things from your mobile phone. It, I'll let you guys know <laughs> when yeah. I find out. Uh, and finally, also in Google Chrome news, uh, the Chrome box has been announced. Now, we know what Chrome books are. They're those notebooks that I don't think are very useful in the slightest. Uh, what's even less useful than a handy computer you can carry around everywhere? How about a desktop? <laughs> so they are <laughs> announcing the Chrome box. Uh, price-wise, these are very attractive. I won't lie. Having a desktop device uh, that is only... $179 at entry level isn't bad right up until you need to do something with it. So this would be like a perfect something that you give, like you put on the family computer in the den for kids that just need access to some word documents and mostly web. Yeah. If you're just surfing the internet, this is a great thing. It kind of reminds me of those Comcast or not Comcast compact, um, little machines they had like oh, yeah, yeah, 15 yeah, the, years uh, ago. Yeah, the thin clients, the workstations. Yeah. No, yeah. not e- not even that. It it was just basically an email machine. It, it would let you connect to your dial-up internet and send email to people. That was all it did. That's kind of what the Chromebox reminds me of. 
Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they are saying that these should uh, support up to a Haswell-based Core i7 as DisplayPort, HDMI, four USB 3 ports, uh, and they no real mention about storage. Uh, I'd buy a couple of these just to try and hack them into a standard desktop. For that price, that's not bad. Not bad at all. But uh, again, it's whether or not we can. So there's our headlines. Into our favorites this week. Uh, mine come from, of all places, the Terms of Service. Tumblr has redone its Terms of Service. And because no one ever likes to read those, in case you're curious, the Terms of Service are like the end-user license agreement for software. A whole bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo saying that you won't sue them for this, you won't sue them for that, you won't use it to make nuclear weapons. And yes, that actually is part of, I think it used to be in iTunes, Eula. <laughs> Well, Tumblr decided to actually make it in such a way that people wanted to read it. Uh, and I'm just going to read through a couple of them. I have it here from geeksarsexy.net. Um, let's see here. Confusion or impersonation. Don't do things that would cause confusion between you or your blog and a person or company, like registering a deliberately confusing URL. Don't impersonate anyone. While you're free to ridicule, parody, or marvel at the alien beauty of Benedict Cumberbatch, you can't pretend to actually be Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, gore, mutilation, bestiality, or necrophilia. Don't post gore just to be shocking. Don't showcase the mutilation or torture of human beings, animals, or their remains. Dick. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Um, make sure you always give proper attributes attribution and include full links back to the original sources. When you find something awesome on Tumblr, reblog it instead of reposting it. It's less work and more fun anyway. When reblogging something, do not inject a link back to your blog just to steal attention from the original post. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting that they did this. It's kind of funny. We'll see if it uh, takes off. Uh, people have been trying to rewrite terms of service for a long time, and I think this might have the best chance of uh, catching on. I, I think you're right there. It, if it's entertaining to read, people will read it. Um, my favorite this week is a new app, and unfortunately, it is an iOS app. Only iOS. For no, shame. No Android. However, I did contact the developers, and they said they hope to release it on Android at some point. Uh, but it is called Carrot Fit, and it essentially shames you about being fat. If you step on the scale and you weigh more than you did the day before, it will mock and ridicule you until you develop an eating disorder and start losing the weight that you want to lose. Uh, one of my co-workers installed it, and I was watching him as he set it up. It's quite entertaining. I'm very impressed with the app. It is, unfortunately, in Siri's voice, uh, but it's, I it's would... It's much more GLaDOS and much less the jock who beat you up in high school. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It is very well done app, and I, like I said, I hope it makes it to Android sooner rather than later. They said that they do hope that that's the case. Um, I I asked them. They said hoping to in the future. Uh, I hope the future is not far off. Nice. Uh, my favorite is um, a periodic table, but not a periodic table of elements. This is the periodic table of storytelling. Um, I'm I'm not really into like all the um, uh, the different uh, types of uh, the different elements that go into storytelling. I do like reading and and audiobooks and I, I like stories, but I never really got into to uh, all the nomenclature of the different um, elements that go into it. But I am a huge geek and a chemistry geek at that. So this periodic periodic table of storytelling is uh, helping me understand more about uh, how stories are put together. Uh, they even have, um, you can put uh, story molecules together and uh, to get more meaning out of, out of the stories, and they have a few examples on the site. Uh, and so for, for a chemistry geek that wants to understand more about storytelling, or a storytelling geek that wants to learn more about a periodic table, <laughs> this, is a, this is a good uh, crossover, crossway. So check it out. Very cool. Well, that is our show this week. Again, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, feedback at StolenDroids.com. You can give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or even on our Google Plus page. Uh, links to all of them also lead to our YouTube channel. Again, you want to join our pre-show. This is where all the news happens. This is where you have a say in what's happening in the show and where you can probably win some stuff. So until next time, cheers. End of line.
Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.